Geopolitics and Empire is joined by Queensland, Australia, Senator Malcolm Roberts, who is part of Pauline Hanson's One Nation political party. I'll be getting his thoughts on the tyranny that is coming at us from all angles in Australia and in the world. Good morning, Senator, and thank you for joining the podcast. Good morning, Havoye. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, I, I mean this as a great compliment, Senator. I'm, I'm a big fan of former Texas Congressman Ron Paul, whose views, oh. I think, largely align with yours. I hope you don't mind me calling you the Australian Ron Paul. Oh, I, I don't think I've earned enough to, to uh, deserve that, but I'm delighted that you call me that. Ron Paul is one of the best people in the world. Uh, he's got courage. He's got integrity. He's got character. And he stays in touch with the people and, and he calls out the Federal Reserve Bank in America. He, he wants to have an audit of, of them. He uh, fights for peace rather than defence. Um, wonderful man, wonderful, self-educated in economics. Very, very uh, bright man. I'm not even close to him, but, but uh, thank you. I feel deeply, I sincerely feel deeply honoured. I think it's just easier for some of us who, you know, live outside of Australia to get an idea a bit more of Australian politics and the work that you do. So th there's a lot going on, uh, Senator, but I suppose we can begin with the public health emergency situation or pandemic uh, in Australia and the world, uh, and but especially in Australia where the government is implementing many uh, unbelievable restrictions uh, on freedom. And these include vaccine passports, the restriction of the right of movement, locking people in their homes, uh, censorship, elimination of free speech, in some cases, perhaps a rendition to quarantine uh, facilities, the destruction of businesses and so forth. Some of these issues you've commented on. Uh, how do you view the, the seemingly never ending public health emergency that's been going on now for two years? And now these unprecedented permanent public health emergency measures being put into place. You know, what's going on? Well, it, how I view them, I view them very simply as immoral and inhuman, that they're no, and, and, and unlawful, unjustified. That's how I view them. Um, first of all, you, you mentioned a, a number of points, and I'll try and capture some of them. You talked about a pandemic. I never use the word pandemic because there is no pandemic of death, Savoye, none at all. Uh, if we look in Australia, then, then we have normal death rates as compared in, in, in past previous years. So then people in Australia might say, well, hang on, we've had lockdowns. That's why we've not got a a pandemic of deaths. Okay, well, let's look at other countries in the world. Nowhere is there a pandemic of deaths. For a pandemic, you must have a steep increase in deaths. There's, that's not happened anywhere. Now, you could argue then Sweden, where there was no lockdowns, no quarantining, no real, um, no real falling in line with the international globalist agenda, they did have an increase in deaths. Yes, they did, because some of the people who are, are, are falling victim to COVID have, have, have comorbidities and, and uh Obesity is one of them, for example, but they have comorbidities. Those deaths were probably brought forward. But now we see Sweden reverting to the mean. So even Sweden, there's no pandemic of death. And as I said, pandemics have to have a pandemic of death. There's nothing here. The only thing with regard to the death data that's unusual in Australia is since the vaccines, the injections have been introduced. Now we're seeing that the death, the number of deaths is above the upper range. And we believe that that is, well, it's not explained. So it raises serious questions about the injections because we, we know that the number of, of deaths and the, the, the adverse effects is far, far higher than people are telling us. We know that. We know that anecdotally. We also know that the Therapeutic Goods Administration in this country has, uh, has 
supposedly investigated the, the 564 reported injection deaths. The doctors have reported, but they have toned them down to just nine. So we have now asked the question of the Therapeutic Goods Administration in this country, show us the process by which you assess that. That's the first point I make, no pandemic of deaths. Now, the second point I make is that I'm not dismissing COVID at all. COVID does kill people. There's no doubt about it. But I've asked for the data from our chief medical officer for the federal government, and he has shown me that the data on transmissibility says that the transmissibility is high. You can catch it easily. But the transmissibility on, sorry, the severity data shows that it's low to moderate, much less than past severe flus. And so what we're seeing is not something that's severe. It can kill people, but we're seeing that it has not been managed properly in this country. I'll come back to that in a minute. The, the, the third point that I wish to discuss is you raised vaccine passports. I do not agree with the term vaccine passport. I do not agree with the concept. I go totally against the concept of a vaccine passport. But my, my, my opposition is fundamental, more fundamental than that. These are not vaccine passports. They're vaccine prisons. They're injection prisons. They're digital prisons. They keep a, a group of society away from society. I've not been injected. That's my choice. But I pay my taxes. Therefore, I'm entitled to the benefits of being in this society. I'm entitled to being treated as a human who is part of this society. And what's the interaction? So digital prisons, vaccine prisons, are not, not human. They're immoral and inhuman. That's, that's the third point, I think. And the other point you mentioned was about quarantine. We don't have quarantine in this country. We have lockdowns. Lockdowns are where you isolate everyone. You, you withdraw everyone from society, and that's what we've had. It's cruel, it's barbaric, it's inhuman. Quarantines are where you isolate the sick and the vulnerable. Now, I'll go back to the start of this in, a, in this country, Havoye. We had parliament basically shut down. And on the, on the Monday, the 23rd of March, 2020, we had a first single-day session of, of parliament where we, where we met to sweep through the government's bills. Now, what I said to them on that day was, look, we're looking at the tens of thousands of deaths reportedly in overseas countries like China, Taiwan, China um, Italy, Spain, France, etc. So we know there may be something severe. So we have to treat this as serious. So that's the first thing. Secondly, we're not going to stand in your way. We passed the legislation. Third thing, we expect you to get the data. You must get the data. And with that data, you must build a plan. And then we will hold you accountable. We still have no data given to the public. The data I got from the chief medical officer contradicts what the government is doing. There is no credible plan other than one plan for, it's not even a plan. It doesn't have responsibilities. It's just inject, inject, inject. Everything in this federal government is based on one strategy, injection using a, 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 something that has not been proven, not been approved. Even the government says it's provisionally approved. So it's not been fully tested. And on that basis, we're destroying our country's economy, with, withholding human rights, basic human rights, withholding freedoms. This is fundamental to our society. The third thing, the next thing that I want to mention is that we have destroyed the notion of democracy in this country. We haven't destroyed, the government has destroyed this. At state level, we have liberal, liberal Labor and National Party governments. Uh, and at federal level, we have liberal national government with a Labor opposition. All of them 
have ignored the data. All of them have proceeded with just one strategy. In the states, it's lockdowns. In the federal government, it's injections. Now, in the, on the 23rd of, Mar- uh, 23rd of March 2020, on that fateful Monday, I pointed to two things. I pointed to the in vitro trials which were promising at Monash University in Melbourne on a drug called ivermectin. I also pointed to Taiwan and South Korea. Taiwan has been by best, by far the best performing when it comes to managing COVID, by far the best, without a doubt. No one hears about them because the, I, the UN suppresses news of Taiwan. But Taiwan uses a proper system of testing, tracing and quarantining. They locked down briefly, partially, partially, back in when after about 12 months after the virus arrived because they wanted to, uh, they had a breach in quarantine that they wanted to get control of quickly. And they have demonstrated how lockdown should be used. Even the UN's crooked, corrupt, incompetent, dishonest World Health Organization now says that lockdowns are um, a weapon of last resort and should only be used initially to get control. Our state governments, Havoye, are continuing to use lockdowns, which means that after 19 months, they have not got control of this pandemic, this, this virus, rather. It's not a pandemic, this virus. So what we're seeing is a complete breakdown in management. It's mismanagement. We are seeing the people being lied to. We're seeing the exaggerations in the media. We're seeing censorship in the media. And censorship is a form of control. And wherever you see control, beneath control, there is fear. This government, our state governments, are afraid of the people with the truth. We have also seen now injections of an unproven, not fully tested drug that's been injected into healthy people and is killing healthy people. That's the first time this has happened in our society, in healthy people being injected with something forcibly coerced into injections and dying from it. The second thing is we have seen governments deliberately and consciously suppress the use of ivermectin, make it illegal, but ivermectin is a proven, safe, effective, affordable and readily available treatment that is working in other countries overseas. We are being denied here. That is genocide in this country. So, yes, I'm totally opposed to what the government is doing with mismanagement of this virus. Yeah, I would go back to what you said uh, even at the beginning about the mortality rate. I read this week from official mainstream sources uh, in Germany that for the year 2020, the mortality there was no excess mortality. And I did an interview 10 months ago with a Canadian uh, scientist from Quebec who actually investigated the mortality rate. And again, it, it, it was um, there was no excess mortality. So by definition, uh, we are not in a pandemic. But you, as we know, you know, the World Health Organization, they, they're fudging around. They're changing all of the definitions of, of pandemic. They're changing the definitions of um, vaccine and, and, and so forth. And I just wanted to get a dig a bit deeper on what you mentioned, you know, about the economy and these these uh, uh, vaccine passports, uh, as they're called. Uh, the biggest fear that most of us have is what they're calling now this great reset, this total digital transformation of our societies, uh, economies. I- I'm getting emails every week from all over the world, from Canadians, from Australians, from um, Americans and-, and British folks looking to escape from their countries where it seems um, uh, what-, what you were describing in Australia, that this is th- this is happening first uh, right now in, in these countries, and some of us, I'm here in Mexico, we're, we're afraid that this is going to come to us. And so you know, w- w- could you perhaps tell us a bit more about how bad do you think this is going to get? 
and and this uh, vaccine passport, which is basically a digital ID, which is basically a social credit system. Uh, if this gets implemented and it continues, you, we won't be able to live to do anything without the express permission of the government and and corporations. And I I saw a clip of you five months ago. You were interrogating the Australian Department of Health on this, and they were say, saying they were not working on this. But now we're seeing we're seeing these systems being deployed. So, uh, how bad do you think th this can get? There's a there's a wonderful poster behind your left shoulder. Liberty begins with you, and we we need to remember that the people who will allow this most ultimately are the people themselves. The governed in a democracy, the governed are governed only with their authority. So the government is given the authority by the governed to govern. That can be withdrawn at any time at an election. So liberty does indeed begin with you. Democracy begins with you, the individual voter. That is something we have forgotten about in this country. It's not something I've forgotten about, but generally across the country it has been forgotten and ignored. The problem here is governance, national governance, state governance, and the overarching problem is the lack of parliamentary accountability, not holding the governments accountable. The parliaments nowadays in this country serve the political parties, the tired old political parties, the major parties. They do not serve the people. And the reason for that is because the people have lost sight of the fact that they control the government. They elect the government. They should hold the government accountable. Now, I, I blame the people for that. But at, at the same time, I also so give, give the people some excuse for that because what's happened is the political systems have been manipulated by both the tied parties, the Liberal Nationals and the Labor Party, so there's only two parties opposing. And the other parties have been suppressed. And both those parties in, 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 uh, in government, alternating in government, effectively have the same policies. They pretend they're different, but they're not. And so the bureaucracy runs to the same tune over decades. And what we're seeing now is a deliberate attempt to control the people. That's the first thing. But the people ultimately are responsible and they can rise up against this. Let's go back to proper management. Our country has about 25 million people. Taiwan has 24 million. So we're about the same size. Taiwan is a tiny island. It's half the size of our smallest state in, in terms of area, which is Tasmania. It is 2% the size of the state I live in, Queensland, which is our second biggest state. So it's a tiny fraction of the area of Australia. Taiwan also had a bigger risk with the virus coming in because the, they have exchanged with, with China, mainland China, which is very close, but they have enormous numbers of people going in and out of the, both countries, between the two countries. So the virus, virus originated in China, in Wuhan. We know that. So Taiwan was much more susceptible to the virus at an, early, at an earlier point. They also have a highly densely populated country, which means virus is much more easily transmitted across the country. But Taiwan, the leadership there is trusted. And I'll come back to something else in a minute. The, um, what do they call it? I was introduced to it the other day. Um, the, uh, what are they? Oh, the catfish, the catfish principle. I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. So Taiwan has a much more, much higher risk with the, vac with the virus. In the first 12 months of the virus in Taiwan, they had seven deaths, seven. 
That's it, not 700, seven. They'd never locked down their economy in the first 12 months at all. They just continued their economy as they went. They used proper testing, tracing, and quarantining. And when I say testing, not necessarily COVID testing. People were tested on their body temperature. And if they were, if they were above normal, they were set aside and given a COVID test. And if they were negative on the COVID test, they went to work as normal. So that's how they managed it, vigorous tracing system. And if people were sick or if they were vulnerable, they were quarantined and protected. But the economy kept going. Now, Taiwan's economy came down about 0.6% their GDP. When you, when you consider that their main customers are North America, China, and uh, Europe, their main customers were decimated because they were locked down. But Taiwan's economy was hardly, was, was hardly missed a beat. In Australia, though, we had a much easier, much easier um, risk, much lower risk with the virus. But our lockdowns, at the end of our first 12 months, we had almost 1,000 deaths. And we crippled our economy. We put people in misery. We withdrew human rights. Taiwan didn't do anything of the sort. That's, that's, the, the, that's the, the really important figure to understand. Now, I was talking with someone from Taiwan, knowledgeable person with Taiwan. Actually, I've talked with a few people. But this one on Saturday told me in Canberra, I met with him, and, and, and he told me of the catfish principle. And I, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and the Norwegians actually raised this story first. The Japanese love eels, and Taiwan grows and produces eels. So they used to ship the, the eels to Japan live, and then not many would survive. And then someone came up with the idea of putting a catfish in the container with the eels. That keeps the eels on their toes because catfish eat eels. Many more catfish survived because they were alert, they were active. The same thing happened with, with fishing in, in Norway. Now, the point is this. When I looked in the first 12 months at the countries doing best with managing the, with managing the virus, properly managing it, Israel, Taiwan, South Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore. Now, some of them are no longer at the, at the, at the best level. Israel has succumbed to the injections. They're having massive outbreaks. Singapore has succumbed to the injections, massive outbreaks. Hong Kong, we know, has had more control exerted over by China. South Korea had a major outbreak due to a lapse in their management, but they got it under control again. Taiwan had a major breakdown in quarantine, but they got it in control again. So Taiwan is the stellar performer. Taiwan did not lock down. They used they used proper testing, tracing, quarantining. All of those five countries that did well initially are countries with an element of threat. They, they value their security. Israel, we know why they value their security and why they're under constant threat. South Korea, similarly. Hong Kong, similarly. Singapore. Now, it's not under military threat, but it doesn't have any raw, raw materials, raw natural resources, so it is under threat economically. So all and Taiwan, the same, both militarily and economically. All of these countries have governments that manage them properly because they know that if they make a mistake, millions of people are at risk. Our countries, Australia, America, Canada, Britain, have got fat and sloppy. We are no longer well managed. And that's the core. The people in these countries that I mentioned, Taiwan, South Korea, Singapore, 
Israel, Hong Kong are on alert for threats. We're not. We're fat and sloppy. And that's the problem. We have got a complacent population that lets the government do whatever it wants, and we have to stop that. I hope that summarizes the answer. Yeah, and I wanted to shift gears a bit to a different topic that, well, it seems like it's a different topic, but it's really not if we listen to what the establishment and the elites are talking about. And that's the climate issue, which you've been outspoken on. I've examined the issue of what once was called you know, global cooling, I think, back in the 1970s, and then became global warming, which then became climate change. And I find the thesis without uh, merit. I find it to be nothing more than a ruse by an elite wishing to establish a technocratic uh, control system, which also espouses their long-held philosophy of eugenics. Uh, I was shocked last week. We, we recently had a Boris Johnson on television. Uh, I don't recall when the clip was from, but you, people can find the clip where he jokingly says we should feed human beings uh, to animals. And his father, Stanley Johnson, on television said that a biological weapons mega event would be great because it would eliminate huge chunks of the human population. And so on top, as I mentioned before, now they're trying to merge these two issues of pandemic uh, and climate change. And now they're talking about climate lockdowns. And uh, you, you've mentioned this in one of your speeches. They want to get rid of our meat uh, and they want us to get our protein from insects, which is pretty insane. And so uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, climate uh, agenda and, and climate lockdowns and so forth? Again, complete fabrication. Um, and, and I'll go into that in more. <laughs> We might have to extend this to do this, but I, I didn't answer, address a couple of your points in, in your, your last comment about uh, the, uh, the virus mismanagement. You talked about the Great Reset and you talked about uh, digital identity and digital controls. Um, the government in this country, which is supposedly a democracy, but as I've said, is not a functioning democracy. I, and by the way, the, the definition of a, well, maybe not definition, but the characteristic of a true democracy is where the government fears the people. If the government misbehaves, the people toss them out. In a totalitarian dictatorship, the people fear the government. In this country, the people fear the government. Not in the sense of a Eastern European country behind the Iron Curtain when it existed, but certainly the people fear the, the government here because of the draconian laws that we've, we've had brought down on us. The government, we've seen legislation that they're going to introduce next year. It's called, get this, the Trusted Digital Identity Legislation. Trusted Digital Identity. Why would they call it trusted? Because it is not worthy of trust. What they want to do is control people with it. Now, I haven't read that bill, but I've had a, an excellent staffer researching that bill. And, and she has come back with the report that another staffer who assigned her that job has said is horrific. That's what they're wanting to do here. They're wanting to control people. The Great Reset is about controlling our whole life, controlling our economy, controlling our energy use, controlling our resources and access to resources, controlling water, controlling farming, controlling the food we eat. That is the Great Reset. And we, we know that there's a minister in this country who used to be the environment minister. His name is Greg Hunt. He worked in 2000 and 2001 on secondment to the World Economic Forum. He was strategic director. 
he developed some of the strategies that they're using. He then became a, a representative in Australia's parliament. He then became a minister. He became a minister for the environment, which oversaw climate. And this was under the Liberal National Party government. As a minister for the environment, he was responsible for suppressing a, a review into the operation of the Bureau of Meteorology, which we know is corrupting the data. They've actually admitted changes in the data have increased the warming rate. They've admitted that to me. What they haven't acknowledged, and I'll be chasing them on, is that that has been systematic. Now, you'd think, Evoye, that errors in data we know exist, and with better, better, better management and scrutiny, we can adjust the data. But you would expect all the data to be uh, data errors to be random. Instead, what we see is from 1970, say this is 1970 in the graph, the data has been systematically increased in a linear fashion to exaggerate warming. The data prior to 1970 was decreased, so we have a much greater slope. So that was fabricated. So we see this as a ruse. You've mentioned that in 1976, the, the, the call was for global, catastrophic global freezing due to carbon, hydrocarbon fuels, coal, oil, and natural gas. Now we see global warming. But now, actually, we saw global warming. Now we see climate change due to hydrocarbon fuels. These people are just fabricating whatever they want to get control of hydrocarbon fuels because whoever controls our energy controls what we do. Now, it goes back. So, so it's a complete fabrication. There is no evidence anywhere in the world. I have held NASA's Goddard Institute of Space Studies accountable. I've held our CSIRO accountable, Commonwealth Scientific Industry and Research uh, Organization, which provides the government with this data. Now, that, that, that minister that I told you about a minute ago, Greg Hunt, who was responsible for the environment and, and, and putting in some of these policies that protected these people who are adjusting the data and, and called upon um, the, uh, the government to do something about climate based upon the CSIRO, that same man is now our health minister, putting in place a lot of these pandemic uh, routines. We also see that I have held uh, for the last... 12 years, members of parliament, media, academics, government agencies accountable for their claims about climate. Not one of them has been able to provide me with the empirical scientific evidence proving that carbon dioxide from human activity affects climate. No one anywhere in the world, Havoye, has been able to quantify the specific effect of carbon dioxide from humans on climate, not even on temperature. So without that fundamental thing, quantifying the effect, you cannot make a policy. Without that, you cannot set targets. You cannot assess progress towards achieving those targets. You cannot do a cost-benefit analysis. No one has got it anywhere. The leader of the government in the Senate, Matthias Cormann, formerly leader, sorry, he left and became head of the OECD, where he's putting in place a lot of these globalist agenda. I asked him a number of times in the Senate for his empirical evidence proving that carbon dioxide from human activity affects climate needs to be cut. Never once did he provide it. He always resorted ultimately to saying, we have to fulfill our global responsibilities, our global duty. This is crap, Havoye. It is absolute crap. It's run by a few, few countries, a few companies, leaders, the globalists, the elites, um, to, to further their own nest to get control. And I want to mention Maurice Strong. You've probably heard of him. Yeah. A, a criminal. Went, to, went, left the United States, he Canadian, left the United States, 
where he was wanted for investigation into criminal activities by the American police and resided in China in exile, voluntary exile. China is the main beneficiary of these policies. And Marie Strong hid there. Marie Strong, he died in 2015, was an exceptionally talented man, uh, very, very gifted at networking, at manipulating people. He's just one of these people who could do it. Now, he created the whole of this global warming scam, this that became climate change scam, back in the 1970s. He manipulated and formed the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the so-called scientists, that is a political organisation, has never produced the science that proves that, that we need to cut carbon dioxide. And he has manipulated this throughout, and he's done it by exerting control on, on, the, on the grassroots movements, people like Greenpeace, people like World uh, Wildlife Fund, people like um, the other conservation organisations in this country that are, that are pushing this crap. And they're just lies. Um, we also have Prince Philip saying that at some time saying that he would like to come back as a virus and wipe out humans. I mean, what kind of person is this? I, I have a lot of respect for the Queen. But look at Prince Charles saying much the same kind of thing, absolute insanity. And, and then we have the ultimate betrayal. When they can't produce the evidence, they trot out an awkward 16-year-old who's, who's not very comfortable socially and put her on the stage and say, we'll do whatever Greta Thunberg says. They, they parade her as the evidence. That is the complete logical betrayal of science. They're putting up a, an awkward, un unsociable 16-year-old who's now an 18-year-old and portraying her as the reason we should do this. This is absolute crap. It's just it's blatant lies, blatant manipulation. They're wanting control, I'll say it again, they're wanting control of our energy, control of our industry, control of our resources, control of our property. I didn't mention that last time, but they're controlling our property rights. They're wanting control of water. These are fundamental, basic things about human existence. You control these and you control everything humans do. The, they're using so, what they call the United Nations sustainability, which is by definition reliant upon subsidies, which makes it unsustainable. Remove the subsidies and it can't, it's not sustainable. But with sustainability, they want to regulate everything we do, how we live, what we do. The second pillar of this United Nations control effort is biodiversity. We've got to protect that fungus over there, those critters over there, the plants over there. We've got to turf you off your property because you're less important than the fungus, the, the bugs and the critters and the, and the plants. That's rubbish. And then the third thing they want to do is impose a globalist socialist governance, unelected. And that's what Maurice Strong himself said many times, that that's his two aims, to deindustrialize Western civilization and to put in place an unelected socialist global governance. You don't have to rely upon just Marie Strong's words because many senior people in the United Nations, the bureaucrats, uh, what's Christina Figueres, for example, in charge of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, which oversees the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. She herself has said it's to bring in a new world economic order. The Lima Declaration in 1975 was, was passed by a Labor Labour Prime Minister in this country. The following year was ratified by the Liberal Nationals Prime Minister, uh, and, and that is both sides have passed that. That is about transferring wealth, transferring knowledge, transferring uh, material, transferring manufacturing from our country to places like China. This has been orchestrated. It's been deliberate. They've admitted that with their own statements, their own policies, 
And our dopey government in this country dishonestly is incorporating those policies into smashing our country and the people are falling for it. So more and more people are waking up, though, around the world. So to answer your question, will it happen? It depends on people. Liberty begins with you. You, you mentioned uh, Prince Charles, and I believe it was just this weekend he gave, brazenly gave quite a startling speech where he called for a global military style operation that would cost trillions of dollars to carry out basically what you what you described. So they're, they're openly telling us to our faces and that that's that's frightening. And, and you mentioned China as well, which was kind of my the, the last theme I wanted to, to touch on. Uh, we recently had this new security pact between uh, Australia, UK and the US form uh, AUKUS or however you want to pronounce it. The, you know, this is a sign that tensions are escalating between the West and, and Beijing and, you know, Australia, you guys are out uh, st stuck, you know, between the US and China. Um, and, you know, the, I, I've read analysis of the formation of this pact is you know one step towards war and even you know nuclear war they're talking about nuclear submarines and then you know australia would become a jumping off point for uh, an offensive uh, on china and as well as it would it would become a prime target for china so what can you tell us uh, about the current east west tensions as well as australia's role in this new cold war with china well you you opened up um with a comment about ron paul ron paul um is self-taught he's a doctor but he's self-taught on economics and very, very capable on economics and finance matters. He's gone right into the uh, financial system in the United States and globally. He wrote a book called End the Fed, and I'd thoroughly recommend it to people. It's a book I like, like me. It's short, it's simple, and it's easy to read, but it's packed with information and very well written. He said that since 1913 and the formation of the Federal Reserve Bank, the privately owned Federal Reserve Bank, it's, it neither has reserves nor is it federal. It's not a government entity at all. It is privately owned, privately controlled. We know that. Many more Americans are waking up to that fact. But he said that since 1913 and the formation of the Federal Reserve Bank, every major war, every major recession is directly attributable to the Federal Reserve Bank and its policies. Australia blindly follows the United States into war. When we uh, had 9-11, and I won't discuss that in any detail because I, it's not something that I've researched deeply. I do have two questions about 9-11, about, uh, about, uh, though. How did uh, Building 7 collapse? It, it was raised to the ground. And yet it, it, it's never been discussed. No one's asked that question. Um, and why hasn't there been a formal investigation into 9-11? Uh, George Bush didn't have a formal investigation. His successor from the opposition didn't have any formal investigation. We don't know what happened. So they're two serious questions that haven't been answered. But, Ron, when, when I raised 9-11 because our Prime Minister, John Howard at the time, was in, in America when it happened. When he came back, this is not me telling you this, these are the words of Alexander Downer, who was the Foreign, foreign Affairs Minister, Minister for Foreign Affairs at the time, the Foreign Secretary, if you like. When he retired a few years later, Hervoye, he said that John Howard came back from America, marched into Cabinet and said, we're off to Iraq. Just like that. That bypasses the, the checks and balances that are in place. For before we commit our, 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 
our men and young men and women to foreign uh, military action. Back, if you remember the previous Gulf War, we had weapons of mass destruction. We had Colin Powell come out. I believe he was lied to. He came out later and said, we haven't got the evidence. We had the, the, the president of America come out and say, we don't have the evidence. We had the prime minister of Australia who told us, John Howard, that we went into that war uh, in the Gulf War because of weapons of mass destruction, admit that there were no weapons of mass destruction. We had people all over the military uh, complexes and, and the governments of, of many Western countries, including Britain, said, no, there are no weapons of mass destruction. But they all relied upon that to start with. Many, what, the reason I'm saying this, Hervoye, is I question whether there really is any grounds for war. I question whose narrative we believe. Carbon dioxide, you're exhaling it right now. Everyone watching this is exhaling it. We inhale it at a, at, uh, in a concentration in the air of 0.04%, less than around four one-hundredths of 1%. It's a trace gas because it is scientifically classified a trace gas. We exhale it at 100 times that level, 4%. So by definition of these lunatics running this show, you're a pollutant. You're a polluter. I'm a polluter. This is complete crap. Carbon dioxide is essential for all life on this planet. But they're telling us that it's now a pollutant. It is not toxic. It is invisible. It is colourless. It is odourless. It's not radioactive. It doesn't give off light. It doesn't give off any noise. It doesn't pollute us. It doesn't destroy the soil. It, 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 it enhances the soil. It's essential for all life on this planet, but they're telling us it's a pollutant. Now they're telling us that this virus is a pandemic when clearly it's not. And they're using these things to put in place controls. It's the same with many of the things we're being told. They're blatant lies. And they're, they're meant to coerce us, suppress us, and keep us under control and not question. Well, with people like me and with people like you and with an increasing number around the world, we're saying, hang on, this doesn't make sense. It stimulates questions. And what I say to people is we have to, we have to remember who controls the vote. We vote. We control who becomes government. Use your vote wisely. If you're not happy with, with the candidates, become one. Stand up. Um, talk to your families. Talk to your workmates. Talk to your social friends. Talk to your relatives. Get them to open their eyes because, as you've got on their poster behind you, liberty begins with you. I would just add, if, if people can see, where is it? No. Your head's not that big. No, my, my, other side. Other my, side. My, my, my thought on, on 9-11 right, right here. But, oh. um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's been blanked out by reflection. I can't see it. Okay. Um, so, as you just mentioned, I get this question all the time. I, I said uh, previously, but are, are you optimistic? I, I wonder why are there not more Ron Pauls, more uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts in, in the world? There's so few, so few of you. And it seems like there's a, actually a majority of us that uh, agree with you. And many uh, of the other politicians are for whatever reason, you know, towing the official government line. And so, you know, why are there so so few of you? And uh, are you optimistic? Are, are we going to stop this thing? We will stop it. It's a, it's a matter of time, um, the time scale we talk about. If, if we look at nature, if we look at the universe, um, it's inherently free. That doesn't mean that you or I or anyone can predict what will happen in the future, but it's inherently free and it's moving towards increasing freedom. If you look at human society and human history, we're increasingly going towards freedom. We have um, 
backward steps at times that take us back into control. But ultimately, that em what emerges is freedom and usually increased freedom. We're on a pathway to higher freedom. So despite the setbacks, ultimately, this will all pass. But because we know that from human, from history. And, and uh, President Harry Truman said, um, the only thing new in the world is the history you haven't read. It's all happened before. These attempts to control us. Now, in the past, Hervé, and this is, this is the really tricky point, in the past, if I held a gun to your head, everyone could see that Malcolm Roberts was controlling Hervé. Nowadays, we don't do it that way. The control freaks use intimidation, coercive, to shut down, shut down um, free speech. They call you, for example, a climate denier. And what that does, or you're, you, they say you don't respect um, nature or you don't respect the environment, you go against caring for the environment. We know of so many scientists who have been suppressed into silence because of that intimidation. Um, we also know they use other things like, for example, they'll call you a racist and that'll silence you. They'll call you a misogynist or a misandrist. They'll call you a Nazi. They'll call you, they'll give you labels. So I love it when they come at me with labels because I then turn around and say, well, thanks for your label because it shows that you don't have the data and the argument to mount a case against my argument. So I win. If you had the data and the argument, you would come at me with the data and the argument, but you don't. Instead, you come at me with labels, neo-Nazi, racist, um, xenophobe, misandrist, misogynist, um, far-right extremist, far-left extremist, call me whatever you want. It just reinforces that you don't have the data. So that's the way they try to control, and they try and suppress dissenting voices by calling us climate deniers. Not evidence, climate deniers. So what you see then is a very subtle uh, coercion throughout our society that suppresses dissent, suppresses disagreement with the government. We also see the indoctrination of our school children, starting from a very early age, starting from five years of age, talking to them about changing their gender. The whole agenda of the United Nations, and make no mistake, they're the policies that are being implemented in our country, often bypassing parliament, going through the bureaucracy, their policies are based upon destroying the two fundamental structures of human society. One is the nation state. That is the best form of structuring human society on a, on a, on a global basis, independent, sovereign, United States, uh, independent, sovereign states that are, that are not necessarily united, but they're united within their borders. But then the second form of basic human organisation is the family structure. It is the most important of all. And they're deliberately destroying the family structure by destroying the, the family itself. They're saying to people, uh, same-sex marriage, they're saying to people, you can change your gender anytime. You can, you can, uh, they're doing so many things to corrupt the minds of, of our kids. The kids then don't have an anchor to go to. They destroy the family so that they don't have the family to go to for support. When people don't have a family structure, they turn automatically to the government. That makes them dependent on the government. What they're also doing is telling us that humans are evil, humans are greedy, humans are irresponsible, humans are uncaring. That is completely wrong. It is completely against the truth. We know that we've had humans throughout history who have tried to control us. We've had humans who, are, who have been bullies and brutal. But we know the vast majority of humans are wonderful, caring people. We're the only species on this planet who, when we realise we're dis destroying an area, will actually stop ourselves and change it and protect that area.
and care for that area. We're the only species that, can, that has got the neocortex and a caring nature from our heart that enables us to be both intelli- intelligent and use data and use logic and at the same time apply that very, in a very caring way. The only species. We are the most advanced species on this planet and we should be respecting ourselves while at the same time recognising that the human condition causes some people, many of whom are in the United Nations and many of whom are in Parliament, to want to control others. That's a fundamental weakness in the human, uh, human being that some people want to control. I would just add on the ad hominem uh, attacks. I don't think it's working anymore. You know, these labels of conspiracy theorists, climate denier, denier and, and anti-vaxxers today, it's not working. A lot of people don't buy it anymore. And I, I've been called uh, the same as well. I've been mentioned in, in hit pieces um, in, in the press. And just the, just the, it's funny you mentioned that because just this morning, I received a message from a journalist from a, uh, a national uh, newspaper um, to ask permission to use one of my podcast interview stills um, of an interview I did with a past guest. So they're basically, they're preparing a hit piece uh, on this person. And I, and I, I notified them, um, but that's because, you know, we're becoming a, a threat. We're telling the truth. We're, we're honestly uh, looking to, to, to uncover what, what the truth is. And so uh, just like yourself, I don't care what uh, I'm called uh, anymore. And finally, I guess my, my last question for you. you Can know, I just interrupt there, please, Evoye? Um, always beneath control, there is fear. If someone is wanting to control you, control me, lie about me, smear me, ridicule me it tells me they're trying to control people's opinions of me they're afraid of me why are they afraid of me i'm only about 165 centimeters probably shrinking Uh, i'm I'm tiny i only weigh um what is it 65 kilograms uh 65 uh, yeah Uh, so there's not much of me why are they trying to do this to me why are they trying to do it to you because they want to control us they fear us they fear the people they fear the people they, they, they impose censorship, which is another form of control. They, they impose restrictions, which is another form of control, because they're afraid of the people waking up. Again, liberty begins with you, and what they try to do is to suppress, and wherever there is suppression, that is a form of control. It is no less effective than me holding a gun to your head. But we need to stand up and make people aware of this. So, so that's why I want to thank you for what you're doing, because you're helping people to wake up. Yeah, I've had a I've had a gun held to my head, and that wasn't fun. Do you have any? Uh, is there any other issue you want to mention that's front and center on your on your mind uh, these days, or any any final thought uh, to leave us with? I just reinforce what I just said. Um, the fundamental we, we've seen uh, we've seen. I used to say the third biggest scam was the climate scam to give people give give a few control over others. It may be now the fourth biggest scam. The third biggest scam is the exaggerations and the derailment over COVID and the control that it's, it's been, that have been brought in. The second biggest scam is the banking scam, the Federal Reserve Bank, the printing of money, the fiat currency to control people. The biggest scam of all is the anti-human scam, the scam perpetrated by the Club of Rome, the United Nations, World Wildlife Fund, Prince Philip, Prince Charles. Boris Johnson, many of these people who use the term build back better, many of these people who want to reset the great reset, many of these people who want unelected socialist global governance, they're perpetrating the biggest scam of all, the anti-human scam. We are infecting, polluting, destroying the hearts and minds of future leaders 
because we're going because the governments like led by these people are going into primary schools, secondary schools, universities, filling them with basically bullshit and anti-human bullshit and saying that humans are un uncaring, greedy, rapacious, irresponsible, um, worthless. They, they, we are not. We, I, I implore people to realise when you step back and you look at the Hitlers and the Stalins and the Boris Johnsons and the Joe Bidens and you look at the Scott Morrisons wanting to impose control, stand back and say, we need to stand up to that, but also stand back, look through that and say, the rest of us, many, many, many billions of us are wonderful humans and who just need the opportunity to be free. The number one, I've got eight traits that I won't go through now, but I've got eight traits that, that are essential for human progress. Improving lifestyle, improving longevity of life, improving health, improving, improving safety, improving, improving material comfort, improving um, material welfare, improving standard of living. The most important is the first, freedom. And it goes back again to what's over your left shoulder. Liberty begins with you. All right. The, the website is malcolmrobertsqld.com.au and people can find you on all of the big uh, tech platforms for now. Uh, is there any other, <laughs> any other website or project uh, we should know about? No, no, that, that's it. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. All right, Senator, keep up the good fight out there in Australia. We need more of you. And again, thank you for being on Geopolitics and Empire. And thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And Havoye, thank you for what you're doing because the legacy media is censored and it's controlling. The social media is actually anti-social media. Um, the independent media, the truth media, which is what you are, you're the only salvation for getting the, spreading the word. Now, thank you very much for what you do. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast interview. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list through which you can receive an update of every new podcast, as well as a long list of key news headlines once a week. We're being heavily censored. YouTube has deleted some of our videos, and we currently have one strike. Patreon has terminated our account. Facebook has restricted our page, and Reddit has been the leading posts. Our favorite social media channels are Telegram and Twitter. The best places to watch the podcast beyond YouTube are on Odyssey, BitChute, and Brighteon. The best places to listen to the podcast are on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google, or on any other podcast app. To help keep this podcast alive, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else, subscribe to all our platforms, and leave a donation if possible via Subscribestar, PayPal, Bitcoin, or Ethereum. You can also find us on MeWe, Minds, Gab, Float, VK, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.